Ship's Caterer's Log, Stardate 42568.8. Not much really going on. We had that issue with the Luzian flu, but, uh, you know, I'm told that it doesn't easily trace between contacts manually. It's more of the sneezing variety. We haven't had any issues that way in a few years. We are heading suddenly, I guess, to uh, Chlamydia 5. I, uh... I'm not sure what the deal is with that place, but um, I understand it's it's kind of rocks and gases, and uh, I'm not really sure we're going to be able to restore any of our ship's uh, supplies. But anyway, that's what I understand is next. We'll see if they tell me uh, where we're going after that. Uh, damn sure ain't going to see anything walking the halls in this particular ship. Nothing ever fucking exciting happens there. Hey, welcome to Re-Engage, my friends. It is the middle of August for us. I imagine it is the end of August for you. The news of the day, of course, is that we welcome back our high-most cultural bridge officer, Kate Yeager, to the broadcast. Kate, how you doing? Oh, my God. I missed you guys so much. We missed you, Kate. I sang. How was Michigan? I well, Mi Michigan was uh, was fantastic. Actually, it was really beautiful because uh, uh, I was right on the lake, so it was it was really nice. <laughs> I picked up some Petoskey stones, which are uh, uh, they're like calcified uh, uh, reef uh, coral uh, that you can only find in that area of the and the, you shine them up and they look real cool. Oh, that's super Petoskey neat. I have, stones. I have never heard of that. I have some Googling to do. Thank you. I am a renowned Googlist <laughs> after hearing such new words. Uh, Greg, I love that dulcet laugh. How are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing well. Doing well. I uh, had a, a kid's baseball game that I just rushed home from. Uh, and so I am in a perfect mood to talk about teenage love. Who's kids? Uh, someone. I don't know. I just found them on the street. And they're like, you need a baseball coach? And they're like, sure. This sounds perfect to me. Jimmy, how about you? I'm amazing. I'm blurred. I'm excited to talk about Ewoks. <laughs> and other morphing things this evening. I had a different take than Ewoks, <laughs> but I respect that, my friend. All right. We are, of course, talking about episode The Dauphin. Episode 10 of the second season of Star Trek The Next Generation. This is, of course, Re-Engage, a The Next Generation podcast done by four Gen Xers. You heard from the four of us, Cultural Bridge officers, in our early pre-teens, I guess late pre-teens when it first came out, except Jimmy, who I believe was in college. Uh, we are taking a look episode by episode to see what our favorite series as kids has to say for us now, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, the Dauphin, as is my particular interest, had some very interesting guest stars. Really, two of note. The first is Jamie Hubbard, who we will meet as Salia of Daled 4. It's very important, right? She was in Platypus Man, if you remember this show, which was the, the sitcom of Richard Jenny, uh, who I always <laughs> really liked as a stand-up. Uh, she was in one episode of that. She was in one episode of O'Hara, which I don't know if you remember, was Pat Morita's one-hour crime drama that also starred John Polito and Kevin Conroy. She was in one episode of Ellen. 
And that's it. This was her, by far her biggest uh, role, and it was very early in her career. And within 10 years, she had nothing left. Wow. Uh, we celebrate her in this particular podcast episode and hope she is well wherever she is. But let's talk about Anya, the Alasso morph. Um, Patty Edwards is an icon in every sense of the word. Did any three of you look up uh, look up her stuff? Because I'm about to blow your minds. Blow, blow, blow us. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's start with Flotsam and Jetsam in The Little Mermaid. No way. Really? Yep. Both? Yep. Both. Holy moly. Let's, start, let's move on to Atropos in uh, Hercules. I remember her as Bull Shannon's mom on Night Court. Yes. yes. She guest starred on just about anything from Cheers to Dallas to Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Murder, she wrote. She did a few movies like Stewardess School and To Be or Not To Be. But the three of you are going to lose your shit in half a second because this woman, uncredited, was the voice of Gozer the Gozerian. Whoa. Whoa. Yes, Jimmy is making a face, and the other two made oral declarations. <laughs> oral to me, oral to them. Uh, yeah, Patty Edwards is just a goddess. We lost her about 20 years ago. Uh, God bless her, her memory, and her work. And here we are at Clavdia 3. Uh, and all the clams we can eat, as Bugs Bunny would say. <laughs> then... Um, once we establish that we are there, we suddenly hear from Jordy, who needs some time for his routine adjustments to the deuterium control conduit. Did you want to uh, get into the pop culture stuff first? Or? Oh, I am sorry. I dove right in. Why can't we, why can't we do this right? <laughs> hey, Greg, my cultural bridge officer, can you tell me what was happening around the time this uh, particular episode aired? There was a lot of, it was February uh, 20th, uh, 1989. Uh, a lot of, you know, just random things were happening. President Bush's uh, uh, nomination for the Secretary of Defense was rejected by the United States Armed Service Committee. After that, Fuck he yeah. went to uh, Japan, China, and South Korea, uh, you know, to have uh, some uh, diplomatic talks there. Uh, the ongoing controversy of the satanic verses, which we mentioned last week. Um, but the one really fun, interesting thing that I found was a family from Brooklyn won $26.9 million in the New York State Lottery. Uh, and they worked at uh, Melody Lanes in Sunset Park um, uh, at the... Owl's auto service. They had to take their car to the World Trade Center to turn in these this ticket. Hell yes. And uh, it was just kind of this heartwarming story of what they're going to do uh, with all this money. They received uh, uh, 20 checks for $1 million after taxes. Uh, and uh, I hope they are living high on the hog. The profetas from uh, Brooklyn. It was a very just interesting, fun thing uh, to talk about there. But... I also was researching things that were happening during the Grammy Awards, but I think that is something that Kate is going to talk about. 
Hell yes. Ah, uh, yes. Shall we do that? What was happening pop culturally, my friend Kate? Well, when we go to music yet again, Paula Abdul is straight up now. Tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Ow, ow, ow. Uh, which uh, is just going strong at that point. And who can blame America what a great fucking song that is. Uh, yes, the 31st annual Grammy Awards happened. And uh, here's a little song he wrote. Bobby McFerrin's Don't Worry, Be Happy won Song of the Year. Uh, an amazing little tune. And uh, an amazing singer who who got... Uh, fame, you know, really briefly, but had an incredible career uh, before and after that um, in jazz circles and just such a talented individual. I still remember really... that video so much. And we yeah. were just talking about Bill, Bill Irwin. Irwin. Yeah. And Robin Williams the third. Williams, yeah. yeah. The three of them did some really fun, weird, goofy clowning in that. Yeah, yeah. And, Bob, and Bobby McFerrin, you know, if you track down his TED-type talks all over the world... He's really a hell of a speaker, too, in addition to his musicianship and performance styles. But um, there's one in particular that he does like a 40 second speech where he leads the crowd in a demonstration of the pentatonic scale. And it's fantastic. I love it. All right, what else was happening in in the old pop cultural sphere? uh, Album of the year that year was uh, Faith by George Michael. Uh, which I kind of had thought happened later because that was his big break, right, from from Wham! Um, or at least um, that was sort of his I am who I am now uh, stand, <laughs> that album. Um, Tracy Chapman won the Best New Artist that year, uh, which I love. Uh, and yeah. at the movies, one of my all-time favorites, I just watched it during the pandemic, The Burbs. Um, what a classically terrible movie that I just adore <laughs> with all of my heart. Is it good? No, it's really not that great. Uh, but God, I love that movie. I love that movie too. I will go back and rewatch it very often. It's I, it's, I think it's Corey Feldman's best work, honestly. Oh, truthfully, yes, that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, I, I still go with uh, Goonies and uh, <laughs> uh, what's the one where the little boys find the corpse? Uh, those are the two, right? And then, uh, and then I'm happy to go this one for the third. It's such a goofy shit. You get Bruce Dern doing his oh, weird crap, so good. and you oh, get yeah. Co- Courtney Gaines is is one of the like cavemen next door of uh, Malachi fame and you shit on my house Kenneth fame from Can't Buy Me Love. What a cast! Gosh, and I still say that I, I, you're gonna kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is my pal. That little Rick, du- <laughs> Rick Dukeman, the late Rick Dukeman, fantastic yep. character. He was actor. in this and Men at Work, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, one of the and the garbage uh, men. Uh, Ghostbusters two, mm. and I believe he's in Groundhog Day. Oh yeah, he had he's a in nice Groundhog career. Day. He's one of he the guys nice in the cafe, right? Um, so great. What else was happening, Kate? That's, that's about it for pop culture. Uh, although that week, uh, Daniel Kaluuya was born. So uh, so the we, world got a fantastic actor uh, on that week. Yes, it fucking did. I just aged a little bit, though, in my mind. Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> Excuse me. So, Jimmy, what was happening backstage at your Dauphin? Uh, well, it happened to be the heaviest or one of the heaviest special effects episodes of the season. Um, and it actually required the special effects crew to add uh, a seventh 20 hour day 
to the week just to get it all in. Uh, and one of the big things was uh, the seven transformations of the Alasimorphs, uh, which took 25 rendering steps for each one. Wow. So seven times 25. Uh, and there was very little payoff because uh, Bowman hated it so much that he <laughs> added, edited those out so that there was absolutely the bare minimum left in the script uh and then on top of that the um holodeck scene uh mm. where wesley mm. takes uh our young our young leader to be uh that was intense um special effects and, oh and um, we'll talk about that at length yeah. i'm sure when we come to it so that was that was it actually the only little tidbits from the show it's, it's kind no of a big like no fist fights backstage none of that crap nobody none taking credit for other people's work nope well, this is going to be a short episode. I like it. Let's, let's dive right in to Clavdia 3 as we approach and go right into Impulse Power. We get a call from engineering where I tell you, Jordy needs a little time for some routine adjustments to the deuterium control conduit. Routine, he says. Y'all buying it? Yeah, totally. Until the All right. Breaks. I mean, nothing can go wrong. He says three hours. All right. I've heard then, that before. <laughs> so Wes, it turns out, in engineering, has to go get a, a SEM Model 3. Go get that shit, you fucking mook. <laughs> and uh, then he sets out and goes on his way. Then we get to the bridge again. We arrive at our place where we are going to pick up the people we're here to pick up. And uh, Captain Picard kind of looks out the window and goes, look at this fucking place. What a dump. <laughs> Troy backs him up. And then Worf <laughs> lays down the truth. What does is, what is Worf say, Jimmy? What's Worf got on this? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. Security is more important. There it is, Greg. You fucking little liberal bastards. You need me on that wall. Security <laughs> is better than freedom and tacos, Worf says. All right. So... Uh, what species are you? The person that they contact responds. What's what's your reaction when someone asks you what species you are, Kate? Uh, uh, confusion, uh, 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 distrust, uh, <laughs> wondering if I'm a replicant. Uh, what else? <laughs> I think those are all absolutely valid, right? So then. Here we go. It's time to beam over our two representatives that we're going to take from this planet to another planet and uh, save that world. They come to the transporter room. It turns out it's a little old woman who couldn't possibly hurt a fly and a woman of uh, Wesley's approximate uh, size and age, which surely will not become important later. <laughs> Let's just talk about Anya real quick, though. Yeah. Like, that uh, costume is fucking fantastic. Agreed. Uh, like, that that knitted head, you know, uh, skull cap that she wears and, like, all gray. And it looks, yeah. it's like armor, mm. but it's right. like chain mail, but it's, but it's woven. I think, I think it's fantastic. And it's got, a, like, a little hint of a nun's habit. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, like, it's so good. Agreed. Uh, what's your reaction to these uh, two uh, being, introdu being introduced? Well, first of all, who is this bitch and who does she think she is? Uh, I'm speaking of Salia, of course. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, Salia of, of what is it? 
Celia of Daled Four, as as we refer to her most of the times that we refer to her. So her last name is of Daled Four. Yes. Continue. Uh, well, I mean, w- what I love is very, very quickly we get into this meet cute moment, mm. right? Right. We leave the transporter room and immediately run into who? Wesley, Wesley carrying the big magnet. And she gives him a full on up and down. Like she full on gives him a like, uh, like, hello, sailor. And it turns <laughs> out she's, she's checking out his hardware, if you know what I mean. Because uh, there's that magnetic magnet. attraction. Yeah. Oh! oh! <laughs> I found myself thinking of uh, myself when I first visited New York City. Like, uh, this Rube was just like, wow, that's what a motor car looks like. Oh, I've read about him ever so many times. Lays it on thick, but I guess uh, intros are full of exposition, right, Jimmy? Yeah, and she's been uh, pent up for a long time. This is the first time she's seen anything other than an Ewok, and oh boy, <laughs> she is ready to express herself. And we don't even know about the Ewoks yet. I love, oh. though, that her like flirtatious line is like, be careful with that, it'll suck the iron out of your blood. And you're yeah. like, hey. It's the perfect line for Wesley. <laughs> yeah, that's the hook. That's the hook. That's what she's we like, call she a knows grabber. Her science. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we cut right back to the bridge where Troy has some concerns about these two and she's about to voice that shit because she isn't going to be quiet anymore she's gonna do you guys remember what feelings. she says she, she says they are not what they appear to be yeah very consciously choosing that term it's not that they aren't who they say they are which is what was suggested to her she's like they're not even what they say they are ooh I like it all right, and then we get back to Salia of Daled 4, who is not subtle. She basically says, hey, who was that dude with the ass and the cheekbones? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Moving on from there, they all kind of give their judgments on, on who is this kid. Uh, what what'd you think of this scene moving forward? I right. love the you know, line of, of, of Data trying to explain. Uh, it's like, between day and night. Uh, and they're like, oh, you actually did a human thing. You are such a good boy. And he's you like, used what are you an talking idiom. About? It's literally, it's like Mercury, right? Where one revolution is, uh, there is a dark side of the moon. And I just kept thinking of, well, there is no dark side of the moon. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I like the, I like the, the, the conversation. I, I, I love this part that Data often plays of the person who knows the answer but will wait until the humans are clearly not going to find it and then goes, oh, hey, it's it's kind of this. You know, he doesn't uh, do what I myself often do and other people often do is when they think they know something that might be useful, they just kind of fucking talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Data is much more polite than that and it's it's fun to notice. Um, so after we go through that, we talk about we don't know what the problem is on this planet, but clearly different cultures have risen up on the light side and the dark side. And this child has the, uh, the, the weight of responsibility to fix an entire planet. So once again, we get to Jimmy's trope where not one culture for an entire planet, but two. It's, it's, it's black and white, literally. <laughs> Uh, so we have set this up and now we can roll the dice and see what happens. At this point, uh, what were you thinking? Did you remember the episode? Did you, did you know what was going from here? 
Jimmy Wait, says now. No idea. This the, this faded from my memory entirely. This one stuck with me. This one stuck with me because of the the romance for sure. But mm-hmm. this next... because of the long shot of Wesley's ass. Oh my god! <laughs> so many. <laughs> So many. And does he know how to lean against a wall or what? There is a lot of very poignant wall leaning in this show. <laughs> it's true. Uh, by him. Um, well, and I want to I want to go back to uh, real quick. We forgot the first uncle moment of William T. Riker where uh, Wesley comes up and says, well, who was that commander? And he says, I think she's a governess. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good nice ribbing going on there. <laughs> yeah, he gives him a rib and then says, You got no shot, dude. Yeah. And She's and the leader of an entire planet. She ain't got time for the likes of you. Yeah. And that's sober and in character advice from William T. Riker. <laughs> don't don't shoot your shot, kid. Nothing good can come from it. Just what we expect. Uh, so, so then, yeah, moving on. But this um, next section, I, like I was going to say, I remember this because of the romance, but this very next thing that's about to happen definitely had me going, what, what the what now? Like what the actual fuck? Because, uh, <laughs> suddenly people are there who should not be there. And then he walks and, you know, we'll, we'll get there. But like, what? Yeah. When it goes back in. And, and this is still in, in just a, a couple seconds. Uh, uh, the next scene, it goes back in, and now you have two young women instead of one uh, young woman and one old woman. And and like it says, it's this one. It's a trippy But I, I first, I, I want to talk for a second about Riker says she seems too delicate to unite warring factions. And I'm like, oh, like a, a 16-year-old seems too delicate to unite warring factions that you just said have been fighting for thousands of years. I mean, like that's a fair... That's a fair statement, Will Riker. And then Worf goes, nope, she can do it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, Worf has the the uh, the geopolitical knowledge to to have an opinion there. It, it's all great. I, I can't wait to see how it turns out. But I, th- I think I think Worf actually tries to say like, you know, don't don't judge a book by its cover kind of yeah. thing, right? He tries to yes, make it say like, no, you know, just because she looks young doesn't mean she's who she, you know, that, that she can't accomplish great things. And I think that's she the first clue. She knows not the way of war. Yes, but I but I had meant that no person can can do what they are asking her to do. Not even Jared Kushner, for Christ's sake. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, he was, was tasked he with ending the war too? in the Middle East. No, he was tasked with ending the war in the Middle East, which I'm sure this no, is at least partially a reference to. Uh, because remember, we we were gearing up for more war in the Middle East at this point. Do you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. where Rambo was by now. But Worf is the um, one who gives that clue. I think that's the first clue to the audience that things are not what they seem. Right. Right. That that you know you're going to get some more information, and he's the only one who's kind of sussed that out from from the get go here. Oh, I didn't even take that as a as a she's not what she seems. I I thought I thought it was purely as just like not not like later on when Q meets Guinan and goes. <laughs> Uh, but but <laughs> more like, hey, just because she's little, you should think she can murder you seven different ways. Because if I was that size, I could murder you seven different ways. And uh, rather than sh- I know she's a, a different kind of alien and I'm going to find out what. Mm. Uh, but I like that. I hope that's what it was. That's neat. That Whenever goes into my theory of this being that. a Wharf episode more than a, the, the Wesley episode. Well, probably hand in hand. But. I love Worf in this episode. Yeah. Utterly and completely love him. We'll, we'll talk as much about him as you guys would like to. Um, 
So what next, like we say, we walk in the room, two young hotties talking to each other. I certainly couldn't remember which one was supposed to be Alia uh, and which, or so, what is it? Salia, I get all that Salia. one wrong. Anyway, Salia. I couldn't remember which one was her and who the hell this new one was. What well, did you think, Kate? Well, I'm surprised you did not actually mention who this was because this is uh, Mitchin Amick from Twin it Peaks. It is! From Twin Peaks fame. From, she's what? Mitchin from Twin Amick! Uh, and uh, from Riverdale uh, currently. Yeah. Um, a fantastic uh, actor who um, absolutely just randomly shows up in the tightest of clothing with the most strategic <laughs> of uh, Anya Six. really knows how to get it down, uh, get it on. Uh, but we don't know it's Anya yet. It's very out of nowhere. Like I definitely yeah. was like, oh, yeah. the acid hit. Cool. Um, yeah. At that immediately. Because because what is actually happening? And then suddenly the camera moves for half a second and we hear a little whish, whoosh as if of wind. And uh, Jimmy thinks there's an Ewok present momentarily thereafter. Yeah, a cheap uh, in-person t- uh, knockoff of <laughs> Ewok. Well, I immediately thought of Muffet the Daggett from Battlestar Galactica, the first mm. series. Mm. Yes, that is. Do you remember Muffet? Yes, yes, It yes. was Muffet, 100%. Just put some like, leg, like, bands around the legs. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And there you go. Uh, And so all hell's broken loose. Like, who the hell knows what the fuck is in this apartment and what isn't? Um, But what I like what they're they're still talking about who can lead and whether or not they'll have. Like, she has these doubts of whether or not she can she can be who she is destined to be. And And she has these two supportive uh, friends in the room telling her what she needs to hear. Right. right? Two versions of the same one. which We don't know that yet. An emotional support, Daggett, and uh, <laughs> and a uh, a very tightly dressed uh, best friend. Uh, it's perfect. So then we go right back into engineering after, of course, Jordy uh, screams at Wes earlier in the episode because he has forgotten to bring the magnet. What do you got, Kate? Just the... The irony that Wesley is looking for what's called a defocused area, and he is the defocused area. Come oh, on now. So good job, writers. So good job. Good. And of course, while he's doing the, the defocused area, he, he kind of whispers, she's perfect, she's perfect about her. And Jordy takes a different approach than Riker did. He kind of uh, gives uh, the speech about his glands erupting with hormones <laughs> and is like, come on down, boner champ. You're no used to be like this. And <laughs> kicks him out of engineering for being a horn dog. He says, you can't control yourself. Go talk to the 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And by the and, way, that outfit, the, the Starfleet outfits are not conducive to hiding a boner. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley would hate these clothes. Right. It's true. It's, like He'd be begging for a good old pair of Levi's right about yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that dropping of the 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 instrument, uh, uh, you actors? I thought that was a very inexpert way of doing it, but at least it got across. They're like, oh yeah, he's he's bumbling now. Yeah. At some point, you just kind of throw it at your feet and go, "Oops!" That <laughs> uh, it works. Like move yeah. it along. Do you, do you do another take when you're actually using tape at this point, or do you just <laughs> say, "Like it's fine. It's a kid. Yeah. Keep going." But I, I, I was just gonna say, I think Jordy has the right take here. It's like you're not gonna yeah. do anything uh, unless you get this out of your head. Uh, so you know, 
by the way, I have other people who can work on this in engineering. You're not the only one who knows how to find the defocused area. Uh, and, but it's also like, go get some help from someone else. I can't deal with this. And I think that's a great setup writerly wise oh. to be like, okay, now we know that we're going to have a yeah. series of, uh, teachable moments for Wesley. And the best jump cut ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me about it. Oh, just, you're going to have to talk to somebody else straight into Worf screaming Worf. into the camera. It's just yeah. beautiful. Isn't that who you would ask about dating young uh, girls? You go right to Worf? <laughs> yeah, and, and it turns know, out it's actually really good advice. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, th there's talk of uh, Michael Dorn pitching a, a Worf-centric Star Trek, but it's a comedy. And oh, um, this scene is it. like, this is what you put in front of the, the money people. Like, this could work. I mean, this episode yeah. really is... It, it underlies that Michael Dorn can pull off uh, not only comedy, but Klingon comedy. Comedy. Yeah. Agreed. He goes right from the scream uh, where and, and he says, how can you be doing this? He says, well, the man doesn't scream. That is the woman's scream. And and he had so much fun doing what we would imagine is that high pitched Bugs Bunny scream. You know, his version of that for Wesley. And he's a little turned on. Yeah. And then he's like, well, what do you a do? Little? And that and that that ver that that uh, reading of what's the line, Kate? What do the men do? Uh, they read they read romantic poetry. <laughs> I think it's love love poems yeah. or something right. like that. Yeah, a lot it's, of ducking. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that and little nobody pause. on the bridge turns. You can see in the background after the scream. No, no one <laughs> turns around. They're like, it's just Worf. That's what he does. Uh, have you ever had a Klingon tell you to mind your own business? Because I don't want to. <laughs> a Klingon who outranks you. That's true. I do love yeah, that we've no. established at this point that Klingons are better at Shakespeare, they're better at novel writing, and they're really good at sonnets too. So yeah. uh, this is, it's all checks out. This so backwards uh, human uh, civilization has really never understood Klingon culture. <laughs> I love that that's the running joke that, that Klingons look at us like we are just backwards idiots. And I think it's fantastic. I love it. Um, so uh, he goes from there to... Uh, Hey, go to her door. Beg like a human, he says. <laughs> mm. And that's that's honestly better advice for Wesley. But he's not ready yet. So after Worf comes Data. Data's advice is even less helpful. What's his reaction? Do you remember his reaction? You guys should be uh, able to be compatible with some scientific word talk. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. And Wesley goes, well, I want to meet her. Not to his sector. Right. Uh, to which Worf just got another boner thinking about that. He's like, oh, dissection. Oh, mm, I didn't even well, think I mean, about it's that. It's hard right. on the heels of him almost being dissected. It's a little insensitive. Right. It's frankly. insensitive, Wesley. <laughs> this is your friend. <laughs> but Wesley's the guy who met, uh, you know, met his friend at Starfleet Academy basically by going, you look weird. <laughs> 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 so like, you know, what do you expect? So then we go back to uh, uh, Salia's, Salia's room. Salia. God damn. Salia of uh, Dalek 4. And um, <laughs> uh, the problem at this point is that people forget that they're on speakerphone when people like have their voice come into their room. So Picard says, may I activate the view screen? And Salia goes, go! <laughs> and the the little the little uh, daggett goes, <laughs> walks off. So Picard heard all of that, 
And then she comes back and says, go ahead. <laughs> just, I think it's amazing. You know, what do you think of this this little bit here? What's what's going to happen next? Well, it's turning into a, a restoration comedy, uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, everybody hiding and false identities. And and here comes the, the, the police captain to give us a tour. And, well, you can't go, you but can't I go. will leave you alone and go on the tour myself to, you know, delay any suspicions. That's going to work out, don't you think, Jimmy? Oh, yeah. That no, always does. Nothing go wrong. The comedy of errors. Right. But the tour is, we, 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 we don't figure this out till later, but I didn't realize it as until we're talking about this now, that it is to inspect and make sure that there's no dangers out there. Uh, and she right. thinks that's a better better use of her time rather than, you know, continuing their, uh, their talk about whether or not she's destined to lead or not. Right. And she, she gives another uh, clue as to their identities uh, as if we need more. When she says to Selena, almost on her way out, I am older than you can ever imagine. Mm. So I find that interesting as we go later. But my wife has said uh, that to my children many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. I could never imagine being this old 20 years ago. Um, so Wesley finally makes the right choice and goes to see who? Oh, Riker and Guinan. No, he goes to see Riker, Riker. and then Riker Riker makes the best decision of the world and invites Guinan to join the conversation. Who wants to tackle this among the best scenes in the series? I just ship it so hard. Mm. Isn't it wonderful? So fucking hard. And I know that it is consummated. There is (laughs) no way it is not. Riker learns some things. Yeah. I love this. I completely agree. Because, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording, but this feels like uh, uh, like a Shakespearean scene, right? Where there's the push and pull and the wit and the witticisms back and forth. And it has that perfect payoff uh, at the end where Wesley tries to interject and uh, and Whoopi Goldberg is just like, shut up, kid. And it's like, (laughs) keep it coming. And then, you know, I just imagine that that goes on for about an hour or two more before they retire to consummate. Well, and it highlights for me again what a fantastic and subtle actor Whoopi Goldberg is. Yeah, absolutely. And the the moment where he says, you are the most beautiful being in the universe. And she gives no reaction enough to the point where he takes a step back and then she takes control by saying, oh, keep going. <laughs> like, like, you know in in the the coolest of ways and she's like i wasn't expecting to enjoy this but i'm i felt something give me more and then at the time i did not appreciate the wonderful nuances of adults flirting seriously but also fun for the kid mm. in a way that the kid would only pick up the fun but the adults would have fun because it's serious yeah and that's so well done Absolutely. Plus, Riker sits down at this table with one of his, you know, over the leg, over the over the chair leg moves too. <laughs> it's just well, you know, that's actually a fun fact. Um, those the the leg over the chair and him putting his leg up on consoles, that wasn't a character choice. That's because he hurt his back while he was painting, and he had difficulty with lowering down, and he would need to relieve pressure. So anytime he could on long shoots, he would find ways to get his legs up ah. to relieve pressure. So the the whole leg sweeping thing wasn't him building a Riker character. It was because the human being needed 
relief. And it just happened to play into uh, William T. Riker. Like Bartlett and his dress coats. Yes. Absolutely, where you realize it's it's it was done for specific reasons, but it has such a great gravitas that the audience sees mm. and, and will only ever experience it from like, oh man, this guy knows how to sit in a chair. What else can he do? <laughs> well, and, but I mean, one of the it's one of the great things about acting, right? Some actors pay attention to behavior in addition to the interior life of the character, and some actors right. don't. And I'm always really drawn to the people who behave in addition to act. Do you know? Uh, so if the, if the actor has an itch, you know, you scratch it the way the character would without changing anything else, you know, it's, it just makes everything so much more fun to watch. All right. So he went to the right place, but the right place is shut to him because it is bouncing. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> don't knock at 10 forward 10 right now. Rocking. <laughs> um, so we move back to engineering and this time it is invaded by Nanny Anya. <laughs> Jordy seems a little threatened as she comes up that elevator, does he not? Man, that OSHA uncompliant elevator again. Right? Right? <laughs> Always a little terrifying. And that I tell you... Oh, go ahead. I just love that look that she gives as she's going up because we all know it, what's gonna, it's just this... Mm, and I'm going to scold you uh, coming she's up just, there. It's terrifying. She's so marvelous at projecting power as a diminutive performer. Yeah. Like it's she's quiet about it mostly and and still, you know, it she'd be a fantastic Bene Gesserit. Like there's mm. there's so many so many characters you can play with that quiet power if the person you're playing against will let you. That's, and because, it, and, it, I'm sorry, Eric, uh, to interrupt yeah. you. It's interesting to say quiet power because I didn't find anything quiet about her. I mean, the, the writers made her demonstrative, made her a braggart. Like she lets you yeah. know she's old yeah. and I'm more powerful than you and you're infinite. And she did it without me. yelling, though, is my point. Most actors oh, oh, yeah, scream yeah. the whole time. I'm but talking literally uh, yelling. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Literally, she didn't yell, but she yeah they wrote her so that she let you know that she thought she was more powerful uh and then you know continuously was allowed to be shut away into the <laughs> yeah, no, like, yeah you, but that's not her really problem powerful i was just talking acting rather than the the uh the uh script which certainly did her right. no no help there but the the fact that wharf that michael dorn so ably considers her a threat physically and treats her that way gives her so much freedom to do nothing and it's it's fantastic laforge in this in this scene is put out he is not happy about having this person come in i mean at first he's surprised that she knows anything about engineering uh and and quote stuff uh at him but is not having any of her recommendations or anything going on and i think uh uh, LeVar Burton does a great job of just exuding annoyance while still trying to be like as polite as you can uh, to a diplomat. Right. right. I mean, if yeah. they know so damn much about the spaceships, how come they don't have spaceships? <laughs> why, why are we cabin them around here? <laughs> yeah. Why are we taking you anywhere if you know so much? Well, you know, Starfleet. Can't you you got to use the ships or you lose them. We got to taxi people around. This is part of our yeah. gig. It's budgeting. They should anamorph into a ship next time. <laughs> well, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes is coming up with uh, crewman Bouncerman, um, who is, of course, guarding the door 
to Celia of uh, Daria 4. Um, so, Jimmy, what do you think of Crewman Bouncerman? Oh, he's a brilliant piece of central casting. I mean, it's certainly, fantastic. Certainly, he was sleeping with somebody on the staff. <laughs> He definitely looked like too. Wanna, like he's got. He, it was. He, you know, you could see the pecs in that guy. Yeah, it's like the scene in uh, uh, Soap Dish where they're casting the waiter, and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, maybe one with your shirt off." Uh, <laughs> um, so that's wonderful, Ensign Crusher. What can I do for you? Mm. He's living for the moment, right? And then what does uh, Celia use as her excuse? Kate? The you oldest remember? line in the book: "Can you show <laughs> me how to use the food dispenser?" <laughs> Come on now. What an angle. And and I love the bouncerman's like, I mean, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> you do have to say computer. <laughs> and they give him such a long, awkward pause. Like, good for him. After the door closes, they just keep on bouncerman. And I expect him to start picking his nose. Um, just fantastic. Then they go to the food dispenser. And uh, she wants the flirtation. sweet. I bet yeah. she does. Okay. And then oh, Wesley okay. completely misunderstands and goes, Moose! I'll give you some, uh, yeah, Thalian chocolate moose. That's what you mean, right? On Thallus, they age the beans. <laughs> 400 centuries. Yeah. It's a phallic moose. Phallic chocolate mousse, he should have said, not Thalian. Yeah. Um, I'm all for alien desserts. Like, aren't you guys? I want some I more. Am. But this is this is the first out of two times where Salia walks away from a dessert and doesn't finish it. And I think that's wasteful. Mm. Mm, good point. Maybe maybe that's uh, maybe that's why ultimately her uh, mission of peace failed. I, she can't uh, finish a dessert. No. I, I am She's offered three desserts. Of, yeah. uh, of, yeah. of Star Trek having dishes that are dishes that we know. They just put a adjective in front of them uh, that is, oh, yeah, it's alien <laughs> chocolate mousse. Like, you could have just said it was chocolate mousse. You didn't have to. Or, or or not just say it's it's Thalian I, blah 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 and then like you I know. figure it's it's a matter of uh, Brazil making some of the best bourbon in the world now and finally being able to call it bourbon because of trade agreements. <laughs> so on Thalia, they're like, this chocolate mousse is good. I bet we can do it better. And then we're like, you can't call it chocolate mousse though. And then there's a whole trade argument about it. And then they finally get to call it chocolate mousse, and it is better. And now there's, it's all fucked for the chocolate producers on Earth. Isn't that the the plot to the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> just trade. Just trade fights. I love what you said, Kate, but I can't know what it is until afterwards because you keep uh, breaking up in the middle. But it's wonderful because uh, Audacity knows what you said. Oh, good. And now it'll just seem like nobody likes it. <laughs> until we brought yeah. it better. Yeah, everybody laugh. <laughs> Wait, were you talking about Phantom Menace? Yeah, I was like, that's the, yeah. that's the truth. The trade agreement. Yeah, thank you, Greg. (laughs) That's fantastic. So now all this gets left in. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) All right. So at this point, it turns out that the Rube has never visited the big city. And Wesley's got to do something about that, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Come with me. All right. So the murder nanny continues her tour with Worf 
And what could happen at sick bay, y'all? You got some Pulaski coming at you. You do. Pulaski ain't going to put up with this shit while she's treating someone from Andronesian encephalitis. <laughs> I think I got that right. Maybe it's encephalitis. I don't know. Another Andronesian something. Adjective thing humans know. Exactly. This is, but with this we understand. This is a variant. This is the Andronesian variant. Um, so we get a big anger bear again, right? Well, first she says, we got to kill this thing. Yeah, definitely. It can't be, it's, it's not, it's a threat. Destroy this patient. And Pulaski gets all, you know, I like how she actually does the business of moving around in front of the patient to be like, no, I'm protecting my patient. I actually thought that was a, uh, a really yeah. strong choice. But then yeah, that's I'll when keep the anger this patient bear alive comes. another half a second. Yeah, anger bear. What are your reactions to the anger bear? Jimmy talked about <laughs> how they went from seven uh, in between stages to like two and a half. Uh, yeah. And you can really see it. It was, th- this scene was stupid. Uh, the writers <laughs> should be, should ju- they should be fired or at least put on parole from writing. I mean, it's absolutely asinine that they have the lines of you have to kill him. And, and specifically, if if she would have carried that arc throughout, but at the end, we get a different payoff on how she reacts to Wesley. So it totally negates the scene and it was worthless. Like they <laughs> they should have just put them in a, a shuttle and had, a, you know, one of the little grapple laser grapple hooks. It's like if you can't be around any of our equipment or if there's any little thing that's going to freak you out, just hang out in there where you're, you know, it's just the two of you. You don't have to worry about it. But this is just, uh, I I didn't see what it did for her as a character, for the story. It was just a bunch of fluff. So it's one of the major road bumps for me in this this episode. I think the the, the scene is there strictly so that we will find out that Captain Picard was secretly following the tour from 10 feet away. (laughs) Right? What's up with that? They call for security and then boom. Then, oh, hello? (laughs) (laughs) I'm shadowing today. Just fucking incredible. With the security officer. Oh, it's incredible. Two feet away from the tour, and, and they didn't run into each other somehow. Although we do get the great line, your powers are infinites- infinitesimal next to mine. Easy for me to say. Easy for me to say. And then later on, isn't that where Worf reacts? Uh, I was surprised or something like that. Some, right. Something about you didn't get my best either. And, right. and it's super fun. I always like when... When people try to posture with Worf. Uh, But in this particular moment, Captain Picard wins. He says, you may be stronger than me. You may kill me with a touch, but you will go to your room. And uh, she does. She goes to her room. And then Worf's like, no, wait, just hold her outside in the hall for a few minutes. (laughs) I got to talk. Wait for me. And then we get the Worf-Picard-Pulaski conference. What do we find out here, Greg? We find out that there are uh, magical beings in science somehow who are able to change the molecular structure of their bodies and uh, become X-Men, I think. Yes, uh, yes. It's it's a stretch. Uh, I think even Pulaski saying hey. it is not believing it when, she's, when hey. it's coming out of her. Greg, alasomorphs are definitively uh, researched in the Galactic jo- uh, Zoological Catalog. <laughs> Uh, Pulaski cited her sources. No, just Galactic Zoological Catalog. That's it. They're there. It's canon. 
it is basically just to, to say like, hey, there's there's super beings, uh, I, which I yeah. guess, you know, if you've got a Q uh, omnipotent type of creature uh, out there in the world, you would have something that could do something like this, I suppose. But yeah, it did a little bit just feel like, all right, this is science fiction, not fantasy. Right. OK, so we got to have some sciencey type talk in here to make sure that this is uh, a possibility out there. Um, I just like the fact that we got to see her transform uh, mm-hmm. finally, like uh, the director let uh, let this one through uh, so that it could end up in Star Trek Acid Party uh, later on and, and, <laughs> and just continue the trippiness of, of this episode. Yeah, it's it's all these wonderful creatures direct from Land of the Lost and <laughs> old Doctor Who like this is the good shit back before they got a great budget like. Uh, just give me as much of this as you can mainline to me. All right. So, uh, Worf, Picard, Pulaski, we're there. We're doing the thing. And Worf, on the way out, has a bit of a bombshell that we are supposed to not have thought of, which is what if the kid is one, two? And Picard says to Worf, improvise. Feels like a bad choice. It might be. If we're to believe this is a 16-year-old girl that we suppose is going to transform into another murder bear, I think improvisation isn't as good as retreat. I think we retreat. I think that's what, I mean, what do you do, right? I I think they they saw her back down, right? They did see Anya back down. and And I think that's what Picard is betting on here, that like, you know, they're not going to kill their couriers on the way to this diplomatic mission and Anya makes that choice and you kind of see her make that choice. Right. Uh, and so I guess that's what he's betting on. And then Worf is just being like, well, what do I do? And, and Picard's like, I don't know, call me, I guess, you know, do whatever you need to do, uh, to delay just like you did in this fight, you know, like you weren't going to win, but at least you kept her busy for security to come and for me to get there. Well, I was just 10 feet her. away, but like, you know, at least you gave me some time to get in uh, and assert my captainness. Uh, and uh, that was enough for Anya to back down. And so maybe that's that's all he's trying to say is like, keep her busy. Right. So I can come be the alpha in the room again. Right. Uh, that's fun. Um, so moving forward, uh, we are at Wesley's big gesture date. He's taken her to the holodeck. And who wants to take us through this beautiful night? All right, I'll do it. So he takes her to the holodeck. And because Wesley is an enormous fan of the ancient movie Can't Buy Me Love and remembers the airplane graveyard scene, he goes to all of the big gesture date scene movies that he can remember and kind of gives us his version of it, which is a couple of really beautiful, I assume mostly computerized map paintings. Um just gorgeous yeah. artwork in three dimensions. Um, and, and we, by the end of it, get a 360 degree view of several of them. Uh, and then Wesley stops and says, listen, in a moment, the harmonic resonance from the neutrino clouds will become synchronous. And then holy shit, kids, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. It's beautiful. He also yeah. says... This is a great time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I just love. Run, girl! 
And he just is not picking up what she is putting down because he keeps saying, someday you'll visit all these places. And she's like, yeah, but I won't. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you, it'll be amazing when you do it. And she's like, I don't think you're listening to me. And he's like, this date is great. <laughs> and that's just foreshadowing for the later scene where wes really really mans it up in the worst possible way um but first we have to go to nanny unhappy Worf versus nanny dynamic suddenly comes back to me as a viewer in this scene i'm like oh i remember this shit this is fun and uh kind of security pro to security pro she says to Worf, I'm going to do what I need to do. You and your friends couldn't stop me if you wanted to. I'm enjoying myself, so I'm stopping a little. But just real talk, you're not going to be able to do shit to me. Uh, and Worf comes back to her with, like, reason. Which is not what I really expected. Yeah. It ends and- with, you cannot control me, and we will see. Go ahead, Greg. I, I just love that he he kind of admits all that, but is also like, but you're going to be in your room, and I don't really care. Uh, and I think she has a really great line, Anya, where she's like, we're not that different, you and I, in our roles right now. Like, you're the security person for the ship. You're protecting it to make sure it doesn't blow up. That's what I'm doing for this bitch, and uh, you need to be able to respect that, or we're going to cross fangs again. Uh and I kind of love that Worf is just like, yeah, I know. And that's cool, but yeah. you're still in your room and bye-bye. Yeah, it's two mercenaries on a lunch break. Yeah. It's fun. I, I like yeah. that. And actually, this is where the respect uh, that Worf shows for her. Because we, we skipped over a little bit. There's a line that he has in the beginning where he's like, I don't think that woman would uh, enjoy anything. Or like, or I don't think that woman would find anything satisfactory. Like he's a little bit dismissive of the governess, and I think this is the 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 transformation scene where he starts to realize, oh, okay, yeah, we are the same. I respect you as a warrior, but you know, do what you're told. Yeah, I enjoy myself greatly, and then we go to talk about her, not to her, with the captain and Troy hanging out talking Anya. Says so emotionally, she's. Uh, Celia's mother. And what's more dangerous? The most dangerous, as we all know, is a mother protecting her cubs. So we get into that trope. That's the whole scene is just set up that trope. What does it mean? It means we're going to have more conflict, right? But where do we go first? It's our favorite place, 10 Forward. We have to go back. Not only do we have Whoopi Goldberg on set today, So we have to use her as much as is humanly possible, which I completely agree with. But we got to go see what's happening with uh, Wes and Salia uh, Salia and their dishes of chocolate. The best dish of chocolate you'll find anywhere. Which, again, they don't finish. And Mm -hmm. I find offensive. I'm with you. Yeah. 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 Uh, she's um, she's very much we very much get into the heavy lies the head and all of that like that she knows that she is destined for solitude and sadness yeah uh, and we we sort of he, he still doesn't quite catch on uh, but offers her why don't you stay here and she thinks about it yeah she's tempted I mean you know, yeah we all have dreams um 
I'm tragic and my story is tragic, she says over and over. And Wes kind of throws, I thought you were a uniter princess together. You know, everything's going to go great. Um, but uh, it really all hinges on the fact that she says to Wesley, you don't have a word for what my job will be. And since it's impossible to use more than one word, uh, the conversation just kind of ends right there. <laughs> and then Guinan has that great, you know, Oh. Just because she walks away doesn't mean she doesn't want you to follow. And I have lived my life by that advice. But is it the best <laughs> advice? Especially because the next words we hear are like, go away, Leave stop following me. Oof. Yeah, yeah Guinan, that one's a tough one. Um, so in the hall, we get the olds versus the youngs. The lovers are cruelly ripped from one another's arms. Oh, and West stands. He says nothing is impossible. He's so nothing. passionate about this. It's so yes. good. Uh, and as soon as he is ripped from his lover's arms, he stands in the hall alone, acting. He leans on that wall. He leans, he leans on that motherfucking wall. He holds that wall up. With his buttocks. Uh, and I love Picard's look at them, at him in this, right? There's like a, a mountain of meaning in Picard just looking at Wesley and choosing not to say anything. And I yeah. think it's, it's, it was the best choice. Both for the writers and the actors. Yeah, honestly. right? Because you, yeah. you can fill it all up with, with meaning and, and everything and the audience kind of does it for you. It's great. Yeah, agreed. Um, we go to engineering, and to no one's surprise, Jordy has done it again. The place is ready to go on its three-hour trip. Why did we bring these motherfuckers up to the Enterprise? Why didn't we bring them up before, right before we left? Leave them at home. You got a transporter. Right, and I was I, I didn't look this up, but when they said it would be three hours, like so it's three hours at eight times the speed of light. That's You're long. pretty far away. Yeah. But it's only a three-hour trip. It's well, amazing to me. Can't deal tours, with it. A lot can happen. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So then we go to the captain's ready room again. Can I say, have we, have we discussed the term ready room on this and how fun it is not only to hear but to say? I just love the term. Thank you, military. <laughs> um, so Wes, when told that, that, that this is an uh, elasomorph, says, oh, a shapeshifter? Because Wesley is a nerd. Totes. He's read the yes. ancient uh, X-Men texts and understands uh, what he's dealing with. It's great. It. Like what informed this episode for me is I've been watching uh, the new Hulu series, mm -hmm. Reservation Dogs. Mm -hmm. And on that show, uh, being called a shapeshifter is like being called a C-U-N-T. Like you do not want to be a shapeshifter. So <laughs> definitely he, not. When he said the shapeshifter, I actually chuckled out loud. <laughs> Uh, because it's a derogatory term in the other show. I fucking love it. Uh, Wesley gets told, stay away from the elasomorph, and then he takes a long, like, 15-second pause as if, as if he's going to say no. Right. It's like, I know you're going to. Thank you for nothing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no shit. I will do what you ask. All right, so then we get to uh, Sally of... Uh, uh, whatever for, uh, and they are doing that whole on my own person. No, you're not nanny thing and talking about her destiny. I don't like destiny. 
I I don't like it as a storytelling device, but we're stuck with it. What do you guys think? I was I was concerned. I was wondering if any of you researched what the Dauphin is a reference to the title of it, and I wonder yes. if it, it was it's big in Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the uh, Dauphin is the crown prince, uh, so it's a reference to her. But then later on. Uh, for some reason, that becomes the name in canon. That becomes the name of this species, a dauphin. These are these are dauphin. Oh, okay. And that's according to you know the 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 wiki uh, Star Trek stuff. Well, I think uh, I mean I'm I'm not going to forgive, and, but the I'm writers. like it's it's clearly a reference to Celia. Uh, uh, right, which, which I think I inferred, but I just didn't realize. And then now that you're saying that it is a Shakespearean uh, type of trope. I almost feel like if that's a nod to the weird plot of this, right? Where it is just like, you know, they're destined because, I mean, if you really examine the plot of some Shakespeare things, you're like, well, why do they do that? What? Yeah. Eh. And it's just because it makes for a better story. And I think a lot of, you know, what what you were uh, just talking about, Eric, is a little bit just like, well, you just kind of have to go with it because it is, it's not really mm-hmm. that important. What is important is how they discuss it and talk about it. Right. It has to be a kingdom, some some stakes that have millions of lives in the balance in order to have a, a fair comparison between what's at stake, my own freedom or these millions and millions of lives, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, OK, whatever. Destiny. Fine. <laughs> I'm convinced. Thanks, Greg. She's Destiny's um, child. All right. So just she deal with is. Well, but they never say that they, they, it, it's just a hope. We we hope that you will be the change. There's nothing offered as to why she will be the change. She's, no, she's, but they do use the word destiny. Like they, I assume there's a prophecy, like there's literally. A pro- oh, yeah, so there's yeah. magic. There's magic. There's magic involved. Kinda, but also, she like, was uh, the child of two uh, leaders of the yeah, two. It's factions. also Romeo and Juliet. That doesn't yeah. mean anything. That means nothing on. on it it does on political together. TV shows. <laughs> um. So. <laughs> My thing here, as they're all leaving, right, they've, uh, you know, they've been threatened with force field jails. They've done all that stuff. Uh, They've suddenly discovered this maverick captain that force fields work better than the honor system. Um, So when they're saying goodbye at the. um, uh, I keep wanting to say energizer shit at the transporter room. Well, before that, when they're saying goodbye, kind of say goodbye like get out of here i don't want I, she comes oh she yeah comes to we, we skipped his tantrum we've skipped, we skipped the this tantrum. kiss we've skipped yeah we skipped go ahead go ahead no I mean, i'm sorry no it's i must have right. gotten sucked in and stopped writing notes because they were macking the, the first thing that happens is that we see wesley playing some sort of solo battleship game that's right uh that i uh, anytime they play a game i want to know the rules i get very mm. excited Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she, Celia has snuck in. Oh yeah, I skipped this whole thing. Out and they have um, their, so they literally have their big kiss. no. It's huge. That's right. I'm sorry. I keep you. You were breaking up, Kate. So I tried to interrupt you, but I'm sure it goes perfectly on uh, Audacity. I'll cut this bit out. Um, it is huge. It it happens at the end of the trip. Nothing happens on the actual trip. Um, I also skipped where Riker says, how could any human being live here? Which is another piece of wonderful uh, uh, knowledge that clearly we're going to find out that Celia is another uh, uh, Daggett. Um, 
so the human kissing rituals that she needs to experience. Uh, how do you think uh, it goes for Wesley? He's going to have to change his uniform, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I think he's <laughs> so excited that he wet uh, his pants. He perspires. His pants are wet. Uh, and just a fun fact about this scene in the background. Uh, if you look behind Wes, one of the things in the case behind him is a Captain Kirk error, era um, uh, phaser. That's cool. So I missed it, that it says completely. something a little bit, you know, like they, it was obviously they just had it and they wanted to dress the setup, but now it actually lends itself to Wesley, Wesley's character and that he's collecting old weapons and has them encased, but you know, so it's. One of his hobbies. Is, is this well, Wesley's first case? It is. I think so. Yeah. Ever? It's his, and it's his act. The actor's first stage kiss ever. Oh. That's fun. Uh, Good work, everybody. Ten years older than him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, I love it. So the nanny, the nanny is starting the entrance. She comes in. It's very threatening. Celia tries to get rid of Wesley, but of course. He's too heroic for that. Calls for help, but help's not going to get there in time. So what do we get? We got a kaiju battle right there in Wesley's room. And he has that great wide-eyed look as his girlfriend transforms. We get to see that full, you know, 25-step transformation uh, a la... uh, uh, Black or White by Michael Jackson video. (laughs) and uh, it's it's such a great uh, dramatic end to that act, right? You get that bug-eyed look. Two munchy cheese yep. facing off. <laughs> <laughs> I love There's- I love too their explanation just a moment later of how Anya got out, and it's that she made herself really tiny yeah. <laughs> because she can <laughs> she can just transform into anything, and oh, I just so imagine cool. her going down to like tiny mite size and sneaking out. She very oh no the cat looked up oh, oh no Dennis yeah. Quaid is there also very tiny uh, yes. Yes. yes um so we have um after this big problem is when we uh, I'll go back and fix all this in editing after we have this confrontation is when Captain Picard suddenly discovers that force fields work better than the honor system and we need to move forward into taking these people home now that we're at the planet. The problem is that we don't even have enough power on the ship to beam a signal back to the surface of the planet. All we can do is piggyback on the signal they've sent us of the coordinates of the the transporter and we can send them back. We can't say they're coming. We can't plan anything. We just throw them into the abyss and hope it worked. Right. And it's odd that because they they say communication can't be penetrating. They need like uh, 1.21 gigawatts of of energy, (laughs) which they can't do. And but but a transporter beam will work. Yeah, they should just transport a letter. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Right. Don't 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 investigate too too hard. Yeah. Don't start pulling at that thread. Um, All right. So we get to the uh, transporter room and the nanny is not coming with young Celia. We didn't talk about Wesley uh, rejecting Celia when he found out that that happens next. What's up? 
Oh, okay. That happens at the. No, no. First, first, the the goodbye to Anya is inside is inside Celia's room. All right. So when Anya comes in and says, uh, "You're going to be a fantastic queen. You've got everything you need to do. No problem. I'm going to send you down there alone." Okay. And she says, uh, "Celia says I'm going to miss you," and Anya says, "I know." <laughs> True story. That's what happens. Bitch. Right? Yep. <laughs> I'm like your mother. Yeah, she Fuck says, you, I'm going to retire on the moon. Yep. I'm going to retire on this nice little moon. We'll see you later. Um, the second moon. My dreams of a spinoff or Anya joining the cast are now dashed until Deep Space Nine when we get an Anya uh, uh, replacement uh, for my hopes and dreams. And then the next thing is that Worf and Anya have that last moment that they need. Um, is Worf happy to see Anya leave? Your worthy opponent. Yeah, this is where you were talking about, Kate. You know, uh, perhaps we shall find, fight again, right? Um, on the same side. The lady in the skull cap. Worthy fucking <laughs> adversary. <man. laughs> oh, man. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh. I need to watch that with you again. It's been too long. Uh, but this is the spinoff that I want, right? I want Worf and Anya crossing the galaxy, solving mysteries with their fists and claws, and not letting nothing stand in their way, let alone regulations, right? Isn't this what you want? Oh, hell yes. I hate her, but I like that episode. I like that idea, actually. I don't see how you can hate her, but I get you. I get what you're saying. So now Wesley gets his chance to be a final fucking brat. What a dick. I, you don't know how much I love Wesley Crusher, and he is yep. such a douche during this scene. It, was it fun for you playing yeah. humanoid? Oh, boo fucking who, you little piece of shit. I loved you. Right? I loved you too. Oh, can you? Yeah. That's Wesley. what made it. Uh, that's Just what made him almost hits. redeemable. Was it wasn't a make believe sixteen year old? They finally wrote a real sixteen year old. That's full true. Full of emotion and 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 uh, uh, chemicals and testosterone and endorphins and that can uh, sociopathy. Really, yeah, and wall you leaning. Yeah, and <laughs> having your dad. Your feelings hurt, whether it's because somebody intended to or it was unintentional. And losing somebody you care a lot about can make you act like a big old dick. And it was really cool that they actually wrote a kid in there and not make him the super being. Well, and they wrote a boy in particular fighting yeah. with a girl who reacts so much more maturely. Yes. Like, it's all realistic all the yeah, way through. That, that uh, was very refreshing. But it um, only lasted five seconds. Yeah, and then we have another O'Brien sighting. You yes. know, Beamer to that one place, and he says, okay, but wait. Wesley comes back with another dish of chocolate just in time. to remember him by, he says. Oh. I think he, he, he knew he was going to say that by the end of the fight he had in the room. <laughs> yeah. He had that cocked. And then her last words to him are intended to be, I want you to leave now, which I think is great. But then he says no. And uh, so then uh, embarrassed beyond the realm of being able to defend herself to her own dying day. She just can't handle it. She turns into the most beautiful butterfly you've ever seen. Right. Ridiculous. Why would she be ashamed of that? Don't look uh, at me. I'm too beautiful for your eyes. 
Yeah, basically. Um, but, you know, she is a, a crystalline entity and, and could destroy the whole ship. Uh, <laughs> so maybe he doesn't want her to, uh, she doesn't want him to see that. Uh, and that's basically the whole damn thing, you know? We get Wesley drowning his sorrows with a malted at 10 forward and Guinan proving one more time that she's just the best. I just say, oh, Guinan's the best every time she shows up. Yeah. What does she do this time? Let's him know it's going to hurt. Yeah. And it's never going to be the, it won't be the same. And uh, just the way, you know, a great actor and, and her specifically, the way Whoopi delivers it is, is she can tell you the truth and then let it sink in and then give you a hug mm -hmm. with some and words not, afterwards. And that, not make it preachy. She's a right. stellar, stellar actor. Just, uh, let you know the truth of the matter. Mm -hmm. It's going to suck. You can't make the pain go away. One mm -hmm. day it will, and you'll be better. It's great. It's just, I loved it. just as dramatic and silly as old love is, you know, it's it's nice. You know, we were all kind of this age, right? So these monologues helped me. Um, do I don't watch the new ones yet. They're all on my list, but I just haven't dived in. Um, do they have kind of young, youthful life lessons in, in their thing built in like the they original have, and, uh, and the new and the next generation and they, Deep Space Nine did? They they do. And they it's odd because uh, there's one storyline that tracks with with uh, the the um, how people identify movement. Mm -hmm. And um, they don't address it for a while, which was kind of cool. It's like, oh, yeah, they're letting you know that this is OK. And then they do address it. Um, awesome. And I was like, I was all at once like, oh, this sucks that they are addressing this. And then but at the same time, oh, but they're this is their job as mm -hmm. Star Trek is teaching you how you're supposed to behave and interact. Um, yeah. So it has it. It's not nearly as good as as Guinan's. Um, how could it be touch even though it has you know anthony rapp who's brilliant too uh but just not the same as as would be goldberg delivering some yeah some nuggets well i mean i'm on the record Whoopi goldberg in her prime was as good of a comedic actor as there's ever been on film mm -hmm. she was mm -hmm. she you know she's a comedic actor like that's her thing yeah. she's just so good in dramas everything else uh Agreed. I, I haven't seen much of the stuff she's done recently, but I enjoyed her in the stand. She didn't have a whole lot to do. Uh, but uh, I, I will always celebrate young Whoopi Goldberg. Um, what are final thoughts? Hey, so I missed the end of that discussion on the Dow fan, but I wanted to give my final thoughts on the episode to my wonderful cultural bridge officers. I'm going to go with six neutrino cloud harmonics coming together um it's it's a really good episode as far as developing the character of wesley crusher you get to see his motivations and thinking and i uh you know as a young kid during this time watching it appreciated um his awestruck reaction when he sees uh the woman coming into his life uh it's very sweet uh, i like the reactions to the bridge crew kind of being the surrogate fathers and giving him advice um but you know the special effects don't really work out there's a lot of weird plot holes that don't really make sense when you examine them a little bit too much um but the shakespearean nature of all of it as far as the plot goes um i appreciate it so uh, middle of the road six uh definitely want to see more episodes developing wesley's 
wonderful romances going forward, much to the chagrin of all of my co-hosts. Oh, thanks, Greg. I give it also 10 dishes of chocolate. I love this episode. It's very strange. Yeah, 10, man. I I love Anya and Worf. It's enough for me. Um, uh, I I absolutely freaking enjoyed it. I watched it twice today. And uh, uh, that's 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 where I stand on the matter. Uh, what do you think, Kate? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it, I think I'll give it an eight, uh, cause it's, it is a, a Wesley heavy, um, uh, episode. And I think he does a lovely job in this, in this, um, and I think, uh, for once I'm going to agree with Jimmy in that, uh, <laughs> what's nice is that they, he does get to be a teenager in this episode and we get to see a little bit less of him as the perfect child and more as the like awkward awkward kid uh and i think i just go back to um i'm gonna give it eight uh awkward preteen kates um (laughs) so i enjoy it oh that's perfect jimmy take us out Uh, i'm gonna give it five munchy cheese (laughs) if this were (laughs) later in the season i think i would uh grade it higher but this comes right after measure of man and it's half as good as that episode so it can't be a 10 in my book um and mainly just because of that because it's just not as good as measure of a man so i can't put it in the same room as that which i gave a 10. Um, i i tend to do my zero to 10 and 10 is a building of itself that goes like this um so that i can always see a better movie than i've ever seen before and have a new 10. do you know what i mean yeah um uh, it just means it's it's, it's good. Fantastic. It fits you. It tracks yeah. with your personality to be equitable yeah. and allow as many people <laughs> into your building as possible. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, so I mean, that is the Dauphin, everybody. The tenth episode of the second season of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which coincidentally is the tenth episode of the second season of Reengage, <gasps> the podcast, and that just makes my pants wet. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for joining our cultural bridge officers for this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we are continuing the mission with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. We want to hear from our listeners. If you've got questions or observations, hailing frequencies are open. You can email letsreengage at gmail.com or if you're more social media minded, follow Reengage on Instagram and Twitter at reengagetng to get updates on episode drops and all kinds of fun. Eric Grattan emails the best way to ask him a question. Follow Kate Yeager at Yeagerlicious on Twitter and Instagram. Jimmy G is Jimmy at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Greg Tito is Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Reengage is edited and mixed by Krista Curry, Krista from Glee on Twitter, and Krista.curry on Instagram. Logo artwork by MojoJojo97 on Twitter, or you can find her at Mojo97.com. And our theme music is by the incomparable Ryan Marth. Thanks for listening. Stand by for Riker's Beard to Reengage. <laughs>